Okay, the Fed just hiked its benchmark interest rate interest rate by three quarters of a point, the biggest increase since 1994. News: record high for home equity for us in the U.S. Tesla shifts cut into higher gear. Previously, Elon said he was going to cut 10%. It's already underway. You can see across a lot of people's feeds throughout LinkedIn. More layoffs. Compass, Redfin announced layoffs. I'll share with you why that is the case. Menlo Park office building bought by Big Bay Era Development. And you do want to stay in. Stay tuned to the very end because I'm going to be going over the market updates in terms of all the questions and all the metrics that you would be curious and wanted to see of what has been actually happening. And is it as bad as people say it would be? We're going to see that momentarily. Let's take a look. First and foremost, Fed hikes its benchmark interest rate by 0.75%, biggest increase since 1994. So most of the plans were an increase of the Fed, Fed fund rate by half a percent. But because of the latest inflation report this week uh, at about, I think it was like 8.4, 8.6%, this was the highest. So it has not been tamed. And so the Fed now had to act accordingly because their current their current uh, uh, estimation estimates of cooling down inflation with their current schedule, which is not going, going strong enough. And so this should be uh, another potential plan down the road. It should not be not possible anymore, given we have not seen any taming or slowdown in inflation. And, and it's been very disappointing to see what the government has been doing this time around. Because at the end of the day, a lot of it has to do with two main themes, if you actually look into it. It's number one, which is energy. And then number two is, is housing. But you don't see any progress at all from the government, whether it's a Fed level or the state level, to be able to help with a lot of these supply shocks. And uh, if that's not the case, if there's not going to be new supply, well, then the Fed has to do what they need to do to try to cool it down by making it more enticing to not, uh, you know, spend money and 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 have these kind of inflation numbers because it's been very very difficult and very bad. But it's also important just to see what perspective is right. Like what was the federal fund rates over the last three decades? You can see we increased to one point five two percent. This is not even the, what it was in um, in 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 twenty nineteen. So we still got a lot of room, as you can see, to go. And a lot of room that is necessary to cool this down. But um, until inflation can actually go down, I'm going to suspect they're going to continue to do these uh, these aggressive uh, rate increases at 0.75% each time. And so what does that mean? It, it, it certainly impacts the mortgage market, right? Because the mortgage market assumptions were a half a percent increase. and But because now the expectation is different because inflation has not changed now they need to be more aggressive so do not be surprised to see continuous uh increases in interest rates and you saw some of the biggest jumps recently now we're easily at over six percent for many individuals um but we'll go over that momentarily of what options there are because just because the 30-year fixed rate may be at over six percent now there's still lots of options for other individuals and I'll, I'll share with you the strategies that might be applicable for your individual situation. But do not be surprised, this is gonna to continue to happen. And it's always interesting from a stock market perspective, right? 
on one end, the Fed hiking interest rates uh, is obviously not good because uh, just the borrowing costs and everything is a lot is a lot higher. However, the counter argument though is they at least are now doing the right move to try to tame inflation. So for from that perspective, then then investors uh, applaud that and they're like, okay, well at least they, they're trying to uh, be actually more proactive in in resolving these inflation numbers but kind of an interesting dichotomy of what's been going on with the general stock market it's very schizophrenic as it always is so just something to be mindful of and we will continue to track how this progresses over time next u.s home equity and this is a very important metric u.s home equity hits highest level on record 27.8 trillion dollars soaring home prices have driven up home equity but rising interest rates are making it more expensive to use and borrow we'll talk about that in a bit look at the, the the equity that is in people's homes right and this is something very very important moving forward there's a lot of interesting things of what may happen and and some of the challenges of what you may see happen so there's a lot of equity inside homes right the most that it has ever been if you look at before uh in like the 2008 when things why did things crash in 2008 in that time Look at the equity that they had then. And look at the look at the issue that has been going on actually since 2006, 2007. This is actually, I want you to share this clip and I'm going to make this a separate clip too because this is really important to see. When you actually look at the past, why do things go terribly wrong? If you actually remember it, things actually got terribly wrong in 2008, right? That's when everything imploded. And why did it implode? Because people were actually borrowing against uh, a home that was already negative in value at that time. I mean, look at these numbers of equity, right? In the worst of time, which is right, the kind of the end of 2008, it was a negative $2.3 trillion, negative. So that means what people were doing back then, which was terrible, was they were getting loans for more than the value of their home. Do you understand why that was an absolute disaster and, and crazy back then? Right. Because if you think about it, if you were negative balance of your home and you could not pay off your home, why would you want to keep your home? Right. You have no skin in the game. You may as well just give up all your homes and reset the books by by defaulting. And that's what happens. So this is a very important metric. I, I want you guys to also share it and see with others. Take a look at this negative two point three trillion. But look at the reverse now at, at where we're at and where people everybody's hoping and banking on some some magical recession bubble uh some magical housing bubble you can see we have 4.62 trillion that's a delta by you know 3x and so even if the market declined right even if home prices cut in half the cut in half delta is still very high right then you still are at even the levels before and there's a that's a very big thing that people have to be aware of this time around is like a lot of people have a lot of equity in place. And so that's something to be mindful of. Number two, related to rising interest rates, like what can you do? Like the issue people have is, you know, let's say they're retiring and a lot of their money is in their their home. Well, you have options. You can still do a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit. You can consider to do a refinance, but refinances are very difficult now because the question is why would somebody want to refinance a very low number that they had before just a few months ago to what it is now. So that is very difficult, right? And so it's kind of an interesting thing. Like really the only way people for to really unlock that right now is to 
uh, institutes to sell their place. But the issue that, 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 is, that has come up, as you can imagine now, is if they sell their place, number one, where are they going to move to? And number two, uh, their interest rate, just from affordability, would, would be much, much more expensive. Combination of both their loan and combination of potentially of their property tax. And so it's an interesting kind of thing. So what does this mean, though? It means my prediction is that there will be less people moving, less people selling their homes, which is going to be a supply issue down the road because they have those things in place. So I, my guess is that you will see less new listings come up for that reason. But uh, we will see that my assumption over the course of the next few months for uh, because um, we'll see how that plays out. But that's my guess, uh, given what we see here. All right. Let's take a look next. Tesla. Yes, I've seen a lot of posts. A lot of people. It's kind of interesting stories. And for whatever reason, these these feeds are just the ones that pop up the most in terms of these layoffs because they're getting a lot of uh, traction. They're getting a lot of support. So Tesla employees are taking to LinkedIn to discuss being laid off. Uh, a move that Elon Musk had announced earlier that would affect 10% of salary workers due to a super bad feeling. Uh, they they have a hundred thousand, roughly a hundred thousand employees, and they're cutting off ten percent. Most of these will be salaried workers. They warned employees in an internal memo: "This has been a very tough quarter, so we need to rally hard to recover." It's always a difficult thing when it comes to these cuts, right? On one end, they're like, "Look, we got to save money," but you know what? For the people that are still here, you guys got to work your butt off. It's difficult, right? It's difficult, and we see a lot of these, and it's kind of interesting. Like, it's, it's not just. Uh, uh, you know, the, the latest people's coming in. Maybe it's also combinations. You can see some people that have been there for a long time, 10 years. Some people have been moving 15 years. Some people have been moving from one place to another because of Tesla. And so uh, it's uh, it's obviously sad, but uses as opportunity. There are plenty of companies that are still hiring. There's plenty of times to reskill of what you may want to then progress into. Uh, there may be different new professions that one can do. By the way, my team, Spencer's just real estate team, is hiring. So there's plenty of opportunities there. We're looking for a copywriter and we're also looking for agents. So there's lots of opportunities all around and we are doing our part to try to help um, with new opportunities and careers. So that's been going on with Tesla. And this is across the entire uh, car world, actually. I've seen it also in Singapore. So it's not just the Bay Area, not just Austin. It's uh, happening across uh, the world. Next, Compass, Redfin both announced layoffs amid slow, slowing housing market nationwide. So what is going on with this? So there's two key things that people have to understand when it comes to housing. There are two real metrics. There is one, the volume of transactions. And then there's the next is the, is the aspect of price. Are they correlated? A little bit. At the same time, for these companies... They are banking on the volume of transactions. And so when interest rates rise, as I brought up, several things happen. Both buyers may be uh, out of the market. They may also be mentally out because they, they haven't personally experienced that situation before. And on the other side, with the supply side, it's, hard, it's a little bit more difficult for those wanting to do a move from their current situation. Hence, I, I mentioned we're going to have less supply too. So as an overall sum, then the transaction volume is less. So you have that have more potentially more inventory, but also you just have less things going on. Now with Compass and Redfin, these are broke. These are basically brokers, right? Compass is a broker that's agents under them. Redfin is a uh, is a basically a, a discount broker, uh, and then they have employees 
within them. So their entire business model of how they make money encompasses by a split with agents. Redfin is by transactions for themselves. And because both of those transaction volumes have slowed significantly, they need to adjust accordingly, right? Because if their whole math equation was uh, two months ago, we had 20% more transactions. Well, two months later, if there's 20% less, you better be laying off quite a bit of people. And hence, that's what they did, right? So Compass reduced uh, 10%, which is 450 people. You can actually argue, wow, they had 4,500 people in their staff. That's, I mean, I'm surprised they're that big to be fair to begin with. That's a lot of people for, I'm not sure exactly how much they're uh, doing per se uh, for that that size. So they probably, they definitely overgrew in the heydays and also when they didn't have to be anywhere close to being profitable. And then Redfin cut around 6% of his employees. In that case, about 470 employees, right? So, um, so they they made that uh, decision uh, too. So they're not actually that big relative to the sizes of the slowdowns. So I would not be surprised uh, that wasn't a very big cut. So I would not be surprised that there'll be another round uh, for these individual or for these companies, given what uh, what I see. But that's just something to be mindful of of these. And so if you're working with, so what does that also mean? It also means there's going to be some turmoil within these types of companies. Right. And so when you as a buyer, seller or investor are working with a firm, you want to work with somebody that is fairly stable. And in my case, I have a team and we're still growing as an example versus individually maybe working at Redfin may no longer be there. And because they're all salaried employees, they they may shift. Morale obviously will be much lower given what it is. And Compass, Compass is a little bit different, but obviously they have a lot of challenges ahead of them that they have to deal with. Uh, accordingly to even stay afloat to be fair next uh, while we hear all these you know bad news there's there's always activity still happening and there's always moves still happening and that's what i want to highlight because look at the end of the day if people look it's all it's all relative right what's a good move or bad move right now it's all relative to perspective and it's all relative to time right it's all relative to what, what is your duration is this a flip? Are you trying to make a quick buck in, in six months? Then you would argue this is probably not the time to make a flip. But if your objective is like other objective, did you know the average person lives in a house now for 10 years? So if your goal is a decade and that's your perspective, then the question is why do you not want to buy homes or make a move at a discount now? That's the fundamental question you should ask yourself. Do you want to keep renting or do you want to get a new place now? When things are at a discount and you have more options than you ever had before. It all depends on time perspective, right? If your time perspective is 10 years, then 10 years later, you're probably going to look back that this is all a discount. This was all a, a huge discount. We've never seen this many options for people before, right? So it's all about perspective. And so that's the same case for developers, right? Menlo Park office buildings bought by Big Bay Area developer. Menlo Park office buildings sell for sky high price per square foot. 200 Middlefield Road, $62.7 million for the office building, right? And there's, it's not like it's a, a previously a pension fund owned the building. Uh, and then it was sold now to a new developer. $14.55 per square foot. This is one of the highest values ever for office space in Menlo Park, right? So you can see like these Class A properties are still 
clearly being in use and been in high demand. Here's another one. Big chunk of Pleasanton land is bought by a veteran developer from New York City. Newly bought land is near Pleasanton properties that Amazon purchased, right? That There's, there's still some land. Pleasanton doesn't have that much land left, but the Dublin still has a lot of land. And if you go a little bit more east, there's plenty of land. And so these moves are still happening, right? A site that Square Mile buys, it bought is near approximately 58 acres that Amazon bought in September 2021 for $75 million in cash, District of Quarries and Lakes. So... These moves, these strategic moves, where, where there's still land in the core Bay Area are still being done and they're still being paid by record prices. These are not distress sales. These are opportunity sales. Next, NorCal Office Park converted to life science hubs. We spoke about this many times, right? Uh, if there's opportunities for those to convert old office buildings, we have a very big shortage of life science uh, opportunities and hubs right now. The question mark now, though, when it comes to this is uh, of, of concern is as the valuations of tech companies and biotech has greatly impacted, take a look at like the uh, Kathy Woods arc funds for like biotech or uh, for like life sciences. Take a look at general like Illumina, those are the valuations of all these different types of sequencing companies. They have not been doing well. So there is a little bit of concern right now, in my opinion, of like, where does that go? Will they be able to survive? Uh, because the, the demand is still certainly very there. But I don't know about the answer of, well, given the valuations are different, will the demand side of these spaces be different? But neither, nevertheless, it's still a booming space. We don't have enough of these life science buildings. And so we should see a lot of cities, hopefully they're going to be smart, to convert it into the right use of space. Given office space are not nearly as in demand as before, these life sciences, these lab spaces, these research facilities still are. Uh, so if you guys have found value in this, do share this with your friends. Like like it, like this on YouTube if you're tuning in there. Leave a comment below with what you think. If you have any questions about the market, I'll be able to answer it right now or in the future. But let's keep going. ByteDance, eyes big office sublease deal at San Jose Tech Campus. Internet giant is in talks for sublease of large office space. So ByteDance is... One of the few companies, if you don't know what ByteDance is, ByteDance is the titan whose apps includes TikTok, which has been red hot, absolutely red hot. Uh, and so what they're going to be potentially doing is there's a big Yahoo building. Yahoo decided a while ago that they were going to sublease and give up their space because uh, they just were, weren't really using it. And so so they're uh, ultimately looking for more space. And as you can imagine, for a lot of like, a lot of space that's all in one area. There's not too many campuses that have that, right? It has to be some of these older uh, companies that may be leasing that space. So I would say a combination of Yahoo, Cisco has a ton of space if they want to live, uh, you know, rent out out there in the Milpitas, San Jose area. So there's a few areas, but there's not that many. And so the buildings that ByteDance is interested in, in is 658,000 square feet. These are no small buildings. These are much larger than most uh most would even do in other cities uh, for their entire office space. And this is just a uh, an expansion for them because they're doing phenomenally well, right? I mean, the adoption, the use case, all metrics for them are doing incredibly well, super addicting uh, platform, and hence why they're going to continue to hire and bring on people like crazy. So that's what's been going on with Bike Dance. They're going to be getting more office space. So you can see not all bad news, right? There's always activity. You know, if you're 
if you're looking for a job and you're in tech, you know, look into ByteDance, look into that company. They're hiring like crazy. When these companies are about to make these big moves for all this office space, they're likely to hire like crazy. Potentially same with a lot of startups. If startups have raised a big round of capital, they're likely to, to use that. And so they need to hire like crazy. So look into those opportunities, especially those recently ran one, recently funded ones, because for them to be able to fund in this market means combination. They're more realistic with their valuation. And number two, the investors have a bet like, look, at the end of the day, we're going to be conservative, but the good companies will come out and they will dominate. So those are plenty of opportunities to really keep an eye out for and, and, and note and do what you can to network in to be in those companies to be in position there. So let's talk about some of the data itself, because I think you want to see like, okay, well, Spencer, you told me all of these market updates over the last few weeks. That's great. It's been very insightful, but what has happened when it came, when it comes to real estate actually in the Bay area, like how has it been impacted? Are we buying a 50% discount right now? Is everything a fire sale? What is happening? Well, let's take a look, right? This is a real, this is the MLS, I'm not hiding anything. Santa Clara County, all properties, right? So let's take a look at the trends, right? We're right now we're into June 18th, which we're halfway into June. So take a look at prices. The highest was back in April at 1.61. You can see in March it declined just by 10,000. So it's not by much. So that's that's less than 1% to 1.6. And then now it's at 1.55. So that's a 60K. That's about a 3% decline, right? 3% decline since the highest points of April. And so this is also just something people need to be familiar with. Like, we're not talking about like, um, we're not talking about some massive correction. Sorry, actually, I think it's like four or five percent. We're not talking about like a massive correction that you're not buying things at a twenty percent discount. We are buying things at a discount for sure. No, no doubt about that. But the the levels is also important for people to understand. Okay, if they're going to be making an aggressive offer, it's still going to be within reason. Right. I mean, we don't need to go 20 percent off because that may not be realistic, but you can see you can obviously have discounts already in place. So let's take a look at a couple of things that I want to share with you. <clears throat> active number of listings. So you can see the, the difference. Right. This is the active number. How many are on the market? You can see just how many there are in this month alone. There's been more than there has ever been on the market all year. Let's take this back. So let's take a look at perspective. So active number of homes, right? So I think it's also important, as you can see. So let's look at the data. This might be more helpful. Uh, sorry. We're going to look at the last 12 months. We're just going to use that data point because it's gone. So 1976, right? Because June is not over yet. That's the difference. 1976. So if we look at the chart, like when else was it 1976? So you can see it was end of 2020. So it looks like October 2020, right? So as you can see, where the level's at, we went from a, a really record low amount of inventory from the, the absolute crazy hot times that we had before to now the levels of where we were at back in, during, kind of in, in the Bay Area, especially during that time when COVID was still a major factor of people's decisions. There's a lot of uncertainty with offices. That's when it, we're back to at this moment, the end of 2020. Let's just look at the last five years so you get perspective too. 
So as you can see, there are many times that there are times that are much worse than we were at now, right? You can look at even June 2019. That was the most, 2,649. We aren't at that levels yet, so we're not at the worst it has been. And at that time, uh, things didn't completely melt down entirely either. So there's something to be pers have perspective in terms of the amount of active inventories. Let's take a look at the number of new listings. Let's shrink this. <clears throat> so you can see the June figures, right? June figures, number of new listings, we're at 1266. So let's compare this to like last year. Uh, so June 20, so there's over 2,000, almost 2,100 homes in of last year. This is new listings. How many are coming on the market? Right now we're at 12 something, right? So uh, I would say given we're already midway through the month, I suspect it will slow down. And you can see some of it has slowed down already in the last few months, right? April had less new listings than last year. Um, May had a little bit less new listings than last year. But you can see how many were still coming on the market uh, each month. So you can see that like last year was still a very busy time throughout the summer in terms of new listings. The other thing that you want to take a look at is the days to sell. Like how long does it take homes to sell? <clears throat> you can see, let's do 12 months here again. You can see the average days to sell, the medium time is still nine days. So you may be asking yourself, how is that the case, right? Like, why does it only take still nine days? I thought, I thought nobody was buying. Didn't you think that? Didn't you think no one was buying a home? Wait, but no one's buying. So how is the average to sell is only nine days still? And if you look at the entire year of even last year, does that not seem quick? What do you think of that? Leave it in the comments below. Why, why, why do you think that's the case? Right? Why is it only eight, nine days? And this was all of last year too. It was about this. Right? So why is that? So there's a few reasons actually. So when you actually, uh, if you actually open that up and understand why that's the case, what it actually is, is the case right now is there's a classification of categories of homes. That's the difference now. So how is there more inventory than we've had all year, but why is the average days to sell still low, like still like nine days? The reason actually is kind of, is actually very simple. You should think of it as three types of really actually, you can almost look at two types of categories, more three types of categories. The houses that are very nice, that are remodeled, that are in good, that are positioned well, that are not overpriced, as you can see, still sell very quickly. You'll not be surprised they still sell within one or two weeks. Nothing has changed on those types of houses. In the past, when we had very low available options for individuals, people would also be willing to buy those fixers or those homes that require a lot of updates and uh, upgrades that are needed. So they would also take those too. And then you get suppressed options. But now <clears throat> this is the metric of days to sell. So it's by days to sell is those, those that are actually transacting. And so those are the good properties still transact very fast. Good properties are not just waiting there still. We're not in that market. But the difference is those that are not, those may be there for a long while. They may be sitting on the market long. They may not even sell, right? And that's the difference that is happening right now is why is the days to sell still so short? It's just segmented. But if you ever go and look at an open house or go with me and we see a good property and it's a good property, they still will move fast and they will still have a few offers. Nothing crazy, to be fair. We're not talking about anything crazy. 
because let's take a look at the the price to sale ratio. Nothing crazy, um, but it will still move very quickly. So let's take a look at this sales to original price ratio. I think this is a good metric for you to also have past 12 months. So you can see the price to sale ratio is still, as you can see, it's still above the list price typically, but it has shrank quite a bit, especially uh, versus what we have seen for the year. So this is shrinking, but you can still see like it's still higher than what people are listing it at because many reasons. There are many are just listing it low on purpose. That's important to understand because you see the stats itself. The stats from sole price are declining. So this means if it's still 107%, that means they're listing it, as you can see, 12% below on, on purpose of what it will go for. So do not be tricked by that and do not say that you only want to buy a house because you want to buy it for 5% below their list price. That's not the measurement to have, right? So keep in mind of this. Like if you just saw it yourself, prices have declined by four or 5% versus the high time. But if you see this, sell price to original price ratio is still over that 107%. So do the delta. That means typically they're listing it by 7% plus the four or 5% by 12% below what they think they, those good properties will go for. So have that as part of your general equation. Of course, every home is going to be case by case, but those are some measurements uh, that are important. I think that's about it uh, that I want to cover. Um, I shared about the active amount of inventory. So if we took a, took a look at the months of inventory. You're going to see this increase. It just makes sense. So you can see we're at 2.6 months of inventory. Um, this is the highest, as you can see, that it has been. Uh, what, what does month of inventory mean, just so you know? It simply just means this is how long it will take for the entire wave. If no new listings come on the market, how long it will take for the entire wave to be uh, depleted. And so where does 2.6 lie? Back to, in this case, of May of 2020, which was a very, very scary time. Right. So the months of inventory that we see are at that level. They're also at some of the levels that we had in 2019. What happened in early 2019, uh, the Fed also uh, uh, increased their interest rates very aggressively. But there wasn't any like. There wasn't anything uh, crazy in terms of like massive reception or recession or anything like that. But we did have a mild recession during that time uh, as the Fed increased their rates very aggressively at that stage. But but this time, as you can see, the levels are what they were back in May. And it may increase further to um, to some of the highest that has been in over the last couple of years. Well, I hope this has been helpful. I appreciate you guys all for tuning in. Of course, if you guys have any questions, call or text my team. We would love to be your trusted real estate resource. Our number is 408-547-4590. We can talk about a game plan and go over a situation that will be the best for you. And we can set up a time to go over an investment strategy call because there's still plenty of activity, as you evidently see, that are still going on. Enjoy the weekend. I'll see you at the next one. Bye now.